Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. you connection point it's uh it's such a joy every single time gathering with you love pastor john and he's my friend and my pastor can't wait to have him back i love having the opportunity to sit with my family and sit under his teaching and be able to worship and have those times together and so uh keep him in prayer as uh he uh, takes the baton for the next couple of weeks few weeks and um would just continue to be excited and kind of blown away by what God's doing here. We're wrapping up this series called Experiencing God Today, and it's been a summer worth of just processing what does it look like to discern God's will and then do God's will. And we've just kind of been leaning in to figure out how to do that better and better. It's been a refresher for some of you and others of you, maybe for the first time to process what that would kind of look like. I want to start right off the bat here with two verses where we started this series eight weeks ago. Eight weeks ago when we started this, we started from this particular uh, chapter, Romans chapter 12. We're going to go further today than we went when we started, but we're going to dial it right back to the beginning because it kind of set the tone. It's also kind of closing the loop on it as we go back to this passage today. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Brothers and sisters. Now, the word there originally was brethren, but it kind of was inclusive of all believers, uh, all followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ. And like right off the bat, as God's speaking, notice the plural nature of that. Notice that he's talking to all of us. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, which makes us family. That as we have been processing God's will in general, we tend to zero in on what that means for us individually. But let's not miss that God's heart is often directed, mostly actually directed as the church as followers of God, plural, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And we're trying to cultivate what is a full-on lifestyle of worship. You might come here today and some of you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's okay. We're super thankful that you're here and we're hopeful and we're praying that over time, Jesus comes to rescue you, that you come to fully understand who he is, you get your questions answered, you process what that's all about, and then enter that relationship with him. But then from that point forward, what we're doing is we're growing. What we're doing is we're maturing. What we're doing is we're pressing on. What we're doing is we're 
persevering. What we're doing is we're enduring. In other words, once Jesus takes a hold of us, then we don't just stay where we are individually or as a family, as, as the church. And, and we come to be affected by his mercies. And his mercies affect us in a way that makes us worship him. Um, there's been a ton of mercies of God that have affected my life. And I can guarantee you the mercies of God have affected your life. There's mercies of God, hello? There's mercies of God to me to adopt me as one of his kids. There's mercies of God to not give me what I deserve and to give me a whole bunch of stuff that I don't deserve. There's the mercies of God that have forgiven me from sin. There's mercies of God that have pulled me into a family of wonderful people like yourselves. There's the mercies of God to display his goodness, you know, out in creation or experiencing a good conversation or a really good laugh. I mean, the mercies of God are always there and that does lead me to worship him. But then as we grow, it moves from worship being just about music for a handful of minutes when we're gathered to be a worshipful experience of him and with him wherever I am, wherever you are, and whenever it happens to be. We're worshiping out of the overflow of our hearts in obedience to him, walking with him in his will. We're talking about it in terms of this hoop inside here representing the general will of God, knowing he's Lord over everything inside and outside, but inside is the sweet spot. And that's where we really best experience him as we're joining with him in his, in his will. Now, how we cultivate this heart of worship over time is what it goes to next, verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world because the way of the world is not gonna make you a better worshiper of God, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and, and God does that. We've been dedicating a summer to that. We, we, we dedicate time daily, opening his word, in prayer, Maybe you meet up with other believers for coffee. Maybe you're part of a small group. All of this time with the Lord, he, he's, he's changing the way that we think so that then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We, we, if this is the sweet spot for me and you, and where we best experience him, then we really wanna get good at knowing what this is, where this is, how to join him. Hey, God's at work, just join him in it. Okay, where? Oh, it's over here, okay, I'll go over here. But knowing now that, that the will of God is not just for you as an individual, but for us together. There's some real power there. When one of you worship, when, when two of you worship, but when we all worship in unity, that this family here is really diverse, but the will of God is that we would be unified, that we'd worship the same God, we'd be on the same page with each other, all doing the will of God. So it's kind of like this. Let's do something interactive if you don't mind. And if you do, um, my first inclination is to say, get over it. The second is the, the real reminder, and that is like, you're adults, and even if you're not, I'm not your dad, so you don't have to do anything that I tell you. But just 
30 seconds of fun, 60 seconds of fun, okay? Here's what I would love for you to do, interactive. And you could do it if you're online too, you, you could type in your thing instead of saying it. But here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, I would like for you to say your first name as loud as you can, okay? Your first name. If you don't like your first name, make up somebody else's first name, okay? <laughs> all right, on the count of three, we're gonna all do it together. On the count of three, your first name as loud as you can. Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that might have been the best service so far. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, it, de it deserves some applause. Now, I couldn't understand one single name. I didn't catch one out of that whole cacophony of sound right there, not one single name. But you, you did a good job. Now, contrast that to what I'd like to do next. Now, what I'd like to do, I'm going to count to three, but this time, rather than your personal name, I would love for you to say as loud as you can, Jesus, his name. Okay, on the count of three, Jesus, all together. One, two, three. Jesus! <sighs> See, that's really cool. That's really cool. Now, I, I know that the Lord loves whenever we grab a hold of anytime he speaks and we say, yes, Lord, anytime he reveals his will and we join him in that. But there's the difference, right? When we uh, think it's all about us and our name, and we all go out various directions, the arrow's going any which way, versus when a whole bunch of worshipers, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, the body of Christ, comes together as one and worships the same direction. There's huge power in that. And that movement to be unified for all our diversity, that, that coming together as, as people whose hearts are moved to want to collectively now do the will of God together, that's his will for the church. That's where I want to land this weekend is a conversation about God's will and the church. We've had plenty about God's will and you, and even God's will in general. But God's will for the church, God's will through the church, the people of God together is incredibly powerful. Now, there are a handful of things that uh, he's going to go on to explain as we work our way through a handful of verses further past verse 2 here that are going to help cultivate the unity and help us find the dead center, the sweet spot of God's will in the church, and there's gonna be a handful of things that might make it more difficult, things that come up in life that will challenge the church, bring not so much unity to the church, find us pulling one foot in, one foot out of that hoop. Look at verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Process 
who you are in light of the gospel. Process your identity in terms of what God has said about you, what God has declared about you. And it will always bring a really proper understanding of who you really are when you think of yourself in sober judgment. Now the warning here in particular is don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, which is a call to humility. This is a reminder to me that when it comes to God's will for the church, God can do some really powerful things through a bunch of humble people. A bunch of humble people are winsome. A bunch of humble people are attractive. A bunch of humble people will have unity. A bunch of humble people look and act, sound a whole lot like Jesus. Because I think one of the defining characteristics of Jesus Christ is humility, not pride. Pride as an opposite of humility is unattractive. Pride is not appealing. If you're taking notes, I jot this down. Pride is a killer. It's killer to the body, capital B, the body of Christ. And it's a killer to individual bodies. Yeah, there might even be some physiological things that come with pride and arrogance and operating in independence. And there's a lot that God can save you from with regard to pride. But pride's definitely a killer of the body of Christ. Pride gets in relationships. Pride always pulls relationships apart, right? You find somebody humble and you're really drawn to them. Or when one wrongs the other and there's humility there right after that, it brings healing. Where pride just divides and divides and divides. And you find the seeds of pride sown in every single church, but if they're watered and they're cultivated, it's gonna spring up and bring division and it'll kill the body. That is outside the will of God. Pride's at its root, the, the source of really every sin that we struggle with, pride is. Real related to that is this, pride's an isolator. Pride, pride doesn't pull you in, it pulls you out. Pride is one of those things that seems to, to get you and I to say, I can operate independent of God. I can even in my pride, I, I, I don't need other people. With ironically at the same time, pride also says, but everybody else needs me. That's weird. Pride's insidious and it'll isolate you. Now, the, the, the reality is if you find yourself in this big sea of life, you picture life as a giant ocean and, and, and you and I are all floating in it. And but for the grace of God, but for the rescue of Jesus, you and I would all drown in the ocean. But God, in his mercy, sends Jesus to rescue us. And in that regard, he becomes our life raft. Here's a life raft. There's me and you on the life raft. Somebody get that guy a sandwich because he has not, he's had too much time alone on the life raft. Now, this is how our relationship with Jesus starts. This is how our journey with Jesus tends to begin. 
We are alone with Jesus in the sea of life. But let us not stay as a life raft believer. Let us not stay alone because that is not God's will for his people. That we would be life raft believers floating out on our own alone. Yes, you have Jesus, but in his grace, he's also given us a family. And so we, we, would, we would have a very individual view of our life and a very individual view of our salvation if we're a life raft believer. That like our salvation was only about us or only for us. And that was kind of the end thing. I'm in the life raft, I'm not gonna drown, end of story. That's not the end of the gospel story. And it should not be the end of us as believers. It should not be how we operate as a church, a whole bunch of individuals on a life raft. We might miss out. Because speaking of God's will, other believers are often the conduit for God's will and the conduit for God's activity. Brothers and sisters in Christ are often used by God. The Holy Spirit will use brothers and sisters in Christ to speak his will to you, to encourage you, to admonish you, to help guide you. And so if we are never around brothers and sisters in Christ as a life raft believer, then we might miss out on God speaking his will to us because we're never around his people. And so much of the joy and satisfaction and even some of the good challenges that come with being around the people of God, his activity is found often around brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if you're a life raft believer, then you'd miss out even on his activity that he had for you. And so he's called us to be his body. He's called us uh, to be a part of his body of which he is the head. First Corinthians chapter 12 gets into this even more. You, you can go read that again if you haven't read it in a while. The body of Christ. It's where he transitions next in verse four and five. Look, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member, look, belongs to all the others. There's many parts to the body of Christ, to the family of God, to all of us brothers and sisters. There's a plurality here. There's a togetherness here that was part of God's will for me and you to experience, but also part of God's will of what he's doing right now at this moment in history is taking place through the church, through the family, through all of us members making up one body, worshiping the same direction with our very lives. Now, compared to the life raft, you think back, if you already have a relationship with God, you'll get this. If you're still processing it, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're processing it. All we want is just for you to understand who Jesus is and come to that relationship with him. 
like I said. But if you already have that relationship with him, you might remember the time where you realized, oh, I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to do life alone because now I've got Jesus, but then he also provides like people that actually care, people that are selfless, people that are loving, people that are gracious. That's the family of God. And many of you could testify to crazy moments where you don't know how you would have got through if it weren't for some brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, we could all have stories too about where a brother and sister in Christ hurt us. That's real. But that's where the enemies got in and messed with things. And so God's grace triumphs over that. His power triumphs over that. And we get back to hearing his will. And we say, okay, yeah, Lord. I was at a church once that had a huge choir. And the choir loved each other like you wouldn't possibly imagine. So much so that there were two instances where they donated organs to other people, not the playing organ, but like a kidney or a lung or whatever, to each other. I mean, that, that's, that's beautiful. That's the church at work. I mean, you can experience so much fun in the togetherness. Some of this should be really fun. Don't forget that. There should be some real joy, some real happiness to walking with Jesus. To be, it, there's too many places where there's not that. We should be some of the most happy, joyful, having the most fun sort of people on the entire planet. And the church, when the family gathers, whether you gather in a coffee shop or in a small group or here all together, I don't care where you gather, but when you gather, there should be some fun there. And you go, okay, that sounds pretty good. That's not so much a life raft, that's like a cruise ship. <laughs> Some of those cruise ships are crazy. They're wild. And you know why, if you've ever been on a cruise, you go on the cruise because it's fun. You go on the cruise because there's so much stuff to do and so much stuff to see and you're around all these people that are just having fun and it's a place of comfort and it's a place of joy. I get that. But dear brothers and sisters, the church, just like it was never meant to stay individual as life raft believers, the church was never meant to stay a cruise ship either. We, we, were, we were called to more than that, more than just fun. Because a cruise ship is out at sea, and at some point on the cruise ship, there's an attitude that kind of changes. And the attitude is one of entitlement. Hey, my room is still dirty and it was supposed to be cleaned two minutes ago. Hey, the food was better last night. And we start to expect certain things of the cruise ship that, that precious friends and family this is not a good picture of the church. The sh church should not be a cruise ship. Because now you're at sea, and at some point you're going, I just want to be here to be overfed. Stuff me. Oh, there's people still out at sea floating around who might dry. Eh, who cares? We got on the ship. This is not a good picture. This is not a good end goal for the church, this is not God's will for the church. 
If you're reading the hardcover Experiencing God book, Blackaby said, our walk with God is personal, but not private. I like that. Because you've got an own personal relationship with God, or others of you don't, and you're just kind of, that's not where you're at, or you're processing, maybe you're not processing at all, but God meets us on a personal level, but then he calls us into a corporate thing, a together thing, a plural thing that isn't private, it's not secretive, that there's stuff that God can reveal and that God can do when we're together that he's not gonna do when we're running rogue when we're life raft believers. When we get together though, and realize that this place isn't just for our comfort or our fun, but even for something more, that's pretty special. And yet, like on a cruise ship, everybody belongs. And all the parts of the body belong. You belong here. You belong in the body. You are needed here. If you've got a relationship with Jesus, you're needed in this family. You are needed in this body. Listen to me. You are indispensable to the body of Christ. You're indispensable. You read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you'll hear that loud and clear. You're indispensable. Now, if you're sitting here and you're saying, ah, I'm, I'm not needed. Okay, if God has spoken one thing and you believe another, one of you is mistaken. You're needed. You're needed. Every one of you play a particular part and perform a particular function that is necessary for the functioning of this local expression of the body of Christ called Connection Point. You're all needed. Some of you are an ear. Some of you are an eye. Now, if you are, have an eye and an ear cruising down a train track together, the ear may start to hear the rumblings of a coming train and speak up and say, hey, I, I think there's a train coming. And the eye may say, I don't think so, I can't see it. And then indeed, the, the ear hears louder and louder the train coming, no, there's definitely a train coming. And it goes, no, I still can't see it. See, it would become powerful and incumbent on the ear to push the eye out of the way for them to both jump off, find safety, because the ear can hear things that the eye cannot see. And so it is with me and you. In your particular gifting and in your particular relationship with the Lord, in your talents and skills, you have the ability to sense things or accomplish things or do things, relate to people, in a way that I cannot, and vice versa. And, and so we, we, we gotta understand just how indispensable we are. We gotta understand what he means here when, when God says each member belongs to each other. Belonging here is not like belonging in a club. Belonging here carries with it the sense of responsibility to each other. 
We are responsible to each other. I'm not responsible for you and you're not responsible for me. That's God's job. But we're responsible to each other. And I think what moves us from life raft to cruise ship and gets us out of the unhealthy side of a, being a cruise ship believer is when we show up here, whenever we gather or wherever we gather, feeling a sense of, this whole ministry is mine. I have a part to play, an indispensable part to play. I've got a responsibility. And so you might get out of the car and while you're walking through the parking lot, you might feel a responsibility, even if you're not a part of the parking lot team. But that responsibility is just to encourage someone or say a nice word to someone or give a smile to someone that needs it. It might be in the lobby and get good at recognizing the countenance of people and the posture of people. You don't have to overthink it or overread every situation, but having eyes open and a heart open that just says, Lord, I came here today because I wanted to learn about you. I wanted to worship you. But maybe you've got something that you would like me to partner with as I'm gathering here today. Maybe you've got something that you'd like me to do while I'm here today. And maybe it's just one person, a kind gesture, even while we're gathered. Maybe it's something he's got for you in between times that we gather that you could give. This is God's will for us taking our responsibility seriously. Because every part, once you recognize what your part is, then you can play it. And that's where he goes next as we wrap this up. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There's all these gifts. What's the continued repetitive call? Use them. Put them into practice. And this isn't a comprehensive list of the gifts. There are more. And so discover what your gift is. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you have been given a spiritual gift or two or three for the building up of the body. And that is kind of where this is headed. We're continuing to mature. We're all continuing to grow up. The will of God is that we would spur each other on toward love and good deeds, that we would keep growing and maturing. And that as we do that, we get out of this cruise ship believer, cruise ship church sort of mentality that says it's all about me and my comfort. I wanna say this as gently and loving as I possibly can, but also with the, the conviction that I feel to communicate it. The church isn't here to entertain you. The church is here to equip you. And the, 
the overwhelming thought process that maybe I think God is inviting us into when we gather anytime, anywhere that we gather is not so much, what is the church doing for me? But what is the church doing through me? It's not so much, what can I get? But what could I give? That's God's will for us, the body, the family of God. Each member active, each member participating. We're not just dragging a whole leg along in the body of Christ wherever we go. It's not the same 20% of the church that's doing 100% of the work, which is stereotypically the statistic in American church. 20% of the people doing most of the work. And that's not a full expression of the body of Christ. His will is something more special than that, that every member is a minister. Every single one of you have a ministry here. And in that regard then, we're not a raft, we're not a cruise ship, we're more like an aircraft carrier that's out at sea and then they're aware that there's some sort of battle going on and we might be aware that there's a spiritual battle going on for people. And there in that aircraft carrier, you've got a whole bunch of really special people, each who are aware of their role and their function. And then there's this constant sending out and then receiving back of people who are on mission. We need to be more like the aircraft carrier. As a believer and certainly as a church, that's God's will in the church. Or maybe like mercy ships. If you're not real familiar, this is an actual mercy ship. This is a ministry. They've got several of these hospital ships that cruise the seas to different destinations. They understand that 50% of the world's population lives near a coastline. And they also understand that roughly 5 billion people on planet Earth do not have access to safe surgery, good medical equipment, good doctors, health care. Hence, mercy ships. So they are staffed with some amazingly gifted and skilled and talented people who also got the heart to hit the seas. In this sense, they are going to places where there are sick people that physically need help. And it's, it's a mirror of the mission of Jesus. He said, it's not the healthy people that need the doctor, it's sick people. So I've come to bring mercy. I've come to bring forgiveness. I've come to bring hope for people who don't have the health that they need spiritually. And we could partner with Jesus in that same ministry. The church could look a whole lot like a, a mercy ship. We're ready to go. When you gather in that ship setting and you're here gathered, then God is going to speak to you. God will speak through brothers and sisters in Christ. He'll speak to equip you. He'll speak to alert you. He'll speak to encourage you. He'll speak to affirm gifting in you. He'll do any number of ways. He'll reveal his will. Some of you are really good at training up, equipping other people. Some of you are really good at alerting other people. You, 
You can sense the, oh my goodness, if you continue in this direction, it might not be so good for you. Um, some of you are really good at encouragement and grace and mercy and, and healing people back together. Some of you are really good at affirming, gifting. You can see particular skills or talents or abilities in people before they can see it and affirm them in that regard. Any number of ways, God's going to use you. I'm just gonna ask you to do one thing here, and, and that is this. When we're gathering as the body, as brothers and sisters in Christ, could you, could you do this? Could you work on preparing yourself before you get here? Prepare yourself before you arrive. When you gather here or a small group or with the, prepare yourself for two things. One, to receive what he wants to speak to you. And two, prepare you to be used by him wherever he's active. And that, that's important because I know the times where, where I come and John's up teaching, I love just to be able to sit under his teaching and come with my family, worship with my family, learn with my family. But then on those particular mornings, you know, you're, you're working through like you all have to week in and week out getting up, getting ready, getting the whole family together. There's been six arguments before you even hit the car and then you drive in the car and then you navigate the parking lot and then you get through kids ministry and they're friendly people and it's efficient, but you still got to drop them off. By the time you get here, oftentimes I get, it's the second or third song that we're singing before my heart's even engaged. Because I haven't even been preparing myself before I got here. And in that regard, we will often miss what it is that he's speaking to us what, we'll miss what we could have received and we'll certainly miss what he wanted to do in using us. We'll certainly miss opportunities to give. Now the beauty in a church like ours is this. You are some of the most generous, kind-hearted, loving, encouraging, humble, Christ-like followers of Jesus that I've ever been around in my entire life, that is a true statement, not an exaggeration. That has blessed me, it has blessed my family, it's given me hope for the church in general. It's a reflection of our senior pastor, John. I mean, everything about you guys just is so encouraging to me, and I've already been on the receiving end of a tremendous amount of God's will and God's activity through you. You'll never, ever know how bleak of a place I was when I started making the trips back and forth before we came on staff. And God used you and your generosity to speak life and speak healing and speak encouragement and comfort and a whole new season into my life that came through you all, mostly out in the lobby. That's a gift that I don't take for granted. And I hope that many of you have experienced that sort of encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ. If not, then more is coming. The other beauty of a church like ours is with the numbers, there's a whole bunch of you that are ears and there's a whole bunch of you that are mouths. There's a whole bunch of you that are hands. We got a whole, we got more than two hands. And why that's a beautiful thing is, listen, especially some of you 
that are tired, exhausted, beat up, maybe as a result of the church or whatever, you just need to find the beautiful suite in the back corner of the cruise ship with the amazing view and let us bring you food for a while. That is part of the body. You need to rest, you need to sleep, you need to have people love on you. You don't need to do a single thing. You just need to sit here and <sighs> receive. We'll be okay. Because there's a whole bunch of other ears or a whole bunch of other hands that continue to listen or serve while you're taking a nap, while you're healing, while you're resting. That's important. Every single week, there should be something that you and I are receiving. We want you to receive from the Lord every single week. God's love, his truth, his power, it's never gonna run out. So he's just gonna keep pouring it out on you. And he's a God that loves to give. But prepare yourself to give of yourself as well. If you got a place, you got room to give, give of your time. Give of your heart I'm not even so much talking about starting a new ministry. I'm not talking about signing up to serve in any particular area, although that might be the thing. What I'm talking about is a very peculiar, conspicuous way of being a brother and sister just on a regular basis. That out of that being this type that's willing to receive but also to give, that that would start a ripple effect through the church that would be very, very powerful. And I would love to give just an opportunity to experience a little bit of the receiving, if that's what you need this morning, today, or to be able to give, just to prime the pump a little bit. And so I would like for you to think right now about if you could be prayed for, I would like you to think about what the prayer request would be. If someone could pray for you, what would you want to be prayed for? And then I would like you to whittle that down to one word. You're coming up with a one word prayer request. You think about what's ailing your heart or what you feel like you need or what praise or joy there is. Maybe, maybe your word is uh, joy, because you got it. Or maybe your word is joy because you need it. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind is sadness. Maybe answers is your word. Maybe finances is your thing. Maybe kids, maybe future. Think of your one word prayer request. And then here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. Again, you're adults, and if you're not, I'm not your dad, so don't have to do this. But I would really love for you to do this. I'm gonna have you stand right where you are, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray for each other. Go ahead and stand right where you are. Now listen to me. You're gonna share your one word prayer request with someone nearby, 
preferably not the person that you came with, but that's okay if it is. You share your one word and then they're gonna pray for you. And then trade, they'll share their word and you pray for them. Now, uh, there's no extra power in prayer by going long. <laughs> and so they're only sharing one word because you don't need to spill the guts. You don't need to share details with a stranger. That could be unsafe or unwise. But God knows all the details of your one word. And you might need to receive the blessing of encouragement that comes with praying with another believer just for a minute. And so it could be as simple as, dear Lord, my friend's word was sadness, and so I'm praying for whatever that means. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. And then you will have the opportunity to also give. This is what brothers and sisters do. This is what the church does. We receive and we give. Now, if you're still here and you go, I don't pray with people or I'm not a follower of Jesus and this is super uncomfortable, totally understand. You don't even have to share the word or whatever, but you might dive in with somebody. Or if you're feeling like I just need to kind of push through, I don't even know if I believe in God or whatever, but you've got a word, share it, and that's it. And let's just see what God will do with just a minute here. Brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping the same direction, giving as well as receiving as we pray for each other. Okay, you got your word? All right, now kind of look around, find the person. We'll give you about one minute and pull this together. Pray for him, pray for him. So gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the murmurs of these precious people in here, your body, your church, receiving more mercy from you and extending that mercy. Lord, we thank you that you hear us when we pray. Father, keep tuning our ears in to your will and your activity. Keep guiding us into the direct sweet spot center of that hula hoop of your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.